Welcome to this green church. We're a Christian community on a mission to raise saviors, believers that are righteous and supernatural, to succeed, lead, and have transformational societal impact. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and Wednesday at 6 p.m. to be a part of this amazing service. Be blessed as you listen. How has service been these past few weeks for us? Honest feedback, awesome. Have we been learning? Have we been applying? Have we been going into the place of prayer knowing God is our Father? Have we been calling Him Daddy? Good. And have we been reminding ourselves that as He is, so we are? Okay, great. So let's just, on our seats, this family, we're going to pray Ephesians 1. This is how we put it up on the screen the Pauline prayer. Ephesians 1 17. So we are praying for two minutes, Max. We are praying that the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Next verse. That the eyes of our understanding are enlightened, that we may know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Next verse. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Next verse. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. 21. For far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the, that which is to come. Next verse. And he put all things. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Who is, who is his body? All of us. So if everything is under Jesus' feet, everything is under my feet. Because I mean, typically, right, if everything is under my leg, right? Everything is under my leg. Everything is definitely on, like if something is under my leg, it means under my thighs, under my knee, Abby? under my waist. So if hypothetically, we're just his body, but let's say hypothetically, I'm his waist. It means everything is under my feet as well. So it means everything that applies to Jesus as the head because we are his body applies to us. So which is his body? The fullness of him which fills all in all. Is that where it ends? I think. Okay. Thank you. So we're going to be praying for two minutes, right? That the eyes of our understanding are enlightened, flooded with light that we know the hope to which we have been called. And this, the knowledge here, I think is, if it is as epignosis, basically is tangible knowledge. That we get to a place where our knowing is tangible in God, that we know. 
that we know the hope to which I because we pray in the spirit on your seats for two minutes. Hali brado shatala brado zekete le brado sha o desite brado si kitili brado zekete that the eyes of our understanding flooded with light. Mate kasute le brado sha ali baktu zekele brado zekete li adu zekete labata tazi kali brado zekete li akuda shete mekto sakali brado zekeli brado Oh, the eyes of our understanding are flooded with light. We enjoy such rich wisdom, revelation, our knowledge. That we understand that you have put every single thing under our feet. Pain, poverty, depression. Oh, all the eyes of our understanding are flooded with light. Oh, we enter such greater levels of knowing. We enter such greater levels of knowing, such deeper knowledge of knowing, such depth in knowledge that we know, we know beyond our heads. You know, we feel it, we know it, we see it, that we know it, that we know it, that we know it that we know so much that we know so much that we're able to live out so much that we're able to live out so much that yes you have put everything under our feet you have put everything under our feet unproductivity under our feet sicknesses under our feet poverty under our feet oh purposelessness under our feet you know a foggy mind under our feet principalities powers under our feet in Jesus name we have prayed amen hallelujah glory to God hallelujah so as a church guys we've been learning for the past two three weeks now that God is our father right and today's topic is heaven's cultural architects right and that's our culturized a culture of love and power so today we're going to be learning about how you know um, Basically, we're ready. God has given us all that we need. But then how we, basically a reminder of who we are. A reminder of who we are, what the kingdom means to us, right? The fact that the kingdom is in us and we ourselves are the kingdom of God, right? Okay, so we've discussed extensively that, you know, the foundation of prayer is recognizing that God is our father. That So when we go into prayer, I'm saying going to as it's a place, but basically when we pray, that we must start off, and not even just in prayer, in our relationship with God, we must start off with the realization that I'm speaking to my dad, I'm speaking to my father, right? I'm speaking to somebody who loves me beyond what I can think, ask, or imagine. I'm speaking to somebody that, you know, um, um, John 1, 12, now, now my favorite verse, says that for all who believed have, be, have received right to become children of God, right? Not one born of human will, but of God, right? So we must approach from that place that God is my father, God is my daddy, God is my daddy, right? And like I've said before, it's a place of renewing of the mind. We'll see as we go forward that to fully understand it is a place of renewal. Ephesians 3, I think 20, somewhere between 16 to 20, talks about how that we may know how high, wide, deep. I like to extend and say full and complete the love of God is. If you read in NLT, it particularly says, though it may be difficult to understand. 
So it's safe to say that what you're trying to do, which is understanding the fatherhood of God, is not an easy walk in the park. And I explained in the last two midweek services that a primary reason for this is because um, fiscal things are yet more tangible to us than you know the things that are not. So I mean, I'm aware that I'm wearing shoes on my feet and my phone is in my hand, then I am more likely to be aware that I have angels with me and God is Emmanuel with me, right? Right? So, and that's because we are still living by sight. And that's why renewal of mind is super important, right? So that we're growing to the place where we're more aware of the intangible, right? When I mean intangible, I mean like God's presence with us, God as our Father, as opposed to, you know, my phone, my feet, my shoes rather, right? And so it means that we must understand that what we're doing is not a walk in the park. So that first build your muscles and that, okay, I'm ready. Right, okay, great. So let's get into the word. Okay, uh, so Luke 11, Luke 11, 1 to 4. We also mentioned that Jesus is the prototype of, you know, the first son. He's the first child, he's the first son of God, right? He's the first son, right? And so everything that we must think that sonship looks like must be what we have seen Jesus represent, right? So now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our father in heaven. We see that Jesus himself referred to God as the father. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one okay so we see that um god jesus refers to god as his father and that in, he says thy kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven followed by give us this day our daily bread so we see that First of all, that God's desire for humanity, God's will, God's purpose for us comes first even before in that prayer that Jesus taught them, before even what they would have eaten, right? And literally, again, because Jesus is the prototype, we understand that this is the star our lives must follow, right? Right. And so we see that um, it is kingdom need, kingdom first, then our needs follow. And this is why... Remember, we know that Jesus is very loving and compassionate. Jesus fed many, many thousands, right? So it's not possible that Jesus simply did not care about their needs enough to know that that should be prioritized. But because in reality, our needs are met in the kingdom. Our needs are met in Christ Jesus. Our needs are met in the kingdom being fulfilled. Our lives, joy, peace, you know, spiritual growth, economic growth, emotional needs, everything is met in the kingdom being fulfilled, right? So it's not because God is selfish. I mean, Jesus is not selfish. We know that. But we are designed to fulfill God's mandates. We are designed for worship. And by worship, we know that worship is not just singing. Our lives are in a posture of surrender to God, and it should always be that way. So we are designed for worship. We are designed to know God better. Where it's like it's our default design, and that's a good head start to knowing that it's possible to keep knowing God because we are designed to be like God, 
In fact, we are designed, be like God makes you look like simile, like I'm still comparing. We are designed to, there's, I can't think of a closer English group of words, but we are designed like God. Let me say it like that. Does that help? We are designed like God, right? Because we are made for worship. So we see this in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let's read together. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I said 26 to 28. Okay. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. First of all, God says you have dominion. Some of us already have it, but that's okay. I had to, I have to, it's important. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God, don't worry, it's an inside joke, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of us have dominion already. So it's like, we have, we have dominion personified and it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. <laughs> oh my God. All right, guys, now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> but yeah, um, so we see that God made us in his own image. That right from the very beginning, that God, so God looked at himself and said, let us, and I like that it says, let us, the Greek word there is Elohim, so it's the Trinity that actually made, like, so we are actually in the same image, essentiality of God, right? God made us like him in his own likeness, right? We may have more questions like, ah, okay, why do I look different from, when we say God made us, it means spirit, not physical being. If not, we'd say that God is, I don't know what they call, he has split personality or something. Then, then all the wacko people will enter the church and, yeah. So, at the end of the day, I mean spirit. I mean spirit. Not physical body because we are spirit first. So, God made our spirit to look like him. So, it means from design, when the ingredients were, I'm th- <laughs> sorry, I watched Powerpuff Girls when I was growing up and, you know, the um, beginning, they say <laughs> ingredients X. Right. <laughs> so when that was happening, right, God literally made us like him. And so it means by design, every single person, not just believer now, every single person is actually made in God's image, right? And then the reality of that lifestyle is only available to the believer. Do we understand? That every single person is made in the image of God and his likeness. However, the reality of this likeness can only be accessed by the believer. So it's like, you have something, we have something, I simply know, we simply don't. And that knowledge is such a big deal because it's different between heaven and hell at the end of the day. Good. Okay, so we see that God made us in his own image. And then when he created us, right, he then blessed us and say, go fill the earth, subdue. Right? And so we see that God in his perfect plan 
had always had a plan for us to rule over the earth. Right? We can go a long way and talk about how Adam had the first lease, gave it to the enemy, yada, yada, yada. But point is that from the beginning, God's plan was that we will rule over the earth. So God's plan for us was dominion. God's plan for us was to rule over, was to subdue. God's plan from the beginning was what we read in Ephesians 1, 20, that everything is under our feet. Good. Okay. And then we see that in the prayer, Jesus taught them, he said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those. So a beautiful fact is that part of the approach to our prayers getting answered is actually our love walk. So it means that, as ridiculous as it may sound, eh, it's important that you're walking in love towards others for your prayers to be answered. It's super important. So yes, we are forgiving, but we also know that sin causes an hindrance in the flow of God's best Okay. Yes. So love, our love work can hamper what we receive from God. And even if we're New Testament, right? And we believe and we are forgiven and we know this. But however, sin can cause an hindrance in the flow of God's best. Not that God turns us down, but sin is the hindrance. It's more like, um, Pastor Inda explained yesterday and said, you know, it's about the hedge being broken. Is that on, in God's love, we are under a covering. Right? And then when we step out of that will, either by sin, he doesn't displace you as his son. Right? But remember that we're already God's son. We're growing in awareness to understand that we are. And sin has a beautiful, amazing way of disrupting our vision, disrupting our perception. And then slowly, slowly we forget what we, have, what we were beholding. Because we behold to become right and so that's what sin literally does so even to the believer is the reason why sin is not even a negotiable it's not because we do not have power power right but it has a very funny way of distorting the perception we even have about god sin is actually saying that god is not enough every type of sin is under we don't trust god i lied because i didn't trust god to deliver me by the truth i stole because i didn't trust god's provision i had sex before marriage because i didn't think that god's definition of purity is good enough for me what else do people do what else do people do what else do you smoke you don't really care about you don't know everybody is the temple of god so you don't believe that god's word about that is sufficient for you right so typically every sin that we com commit big small they are no big, small, but you get my point. It's actually hidden in the fact that we don't trust God enough. And the thing is, because sin powerfully disrupts and distorts our view of what the Father is, who he is, and where our position is, right, it then can affect our ability to receive. Now, everything we receive in Christ is only available by faith. Every single thing. Your faith muscles may be tiny or big because we grow our faith muscles. However, everything we receive is by faith. Every single thing. And the just will live by faith. I think Romans or Galatians particularly talks about how the lifestyle of the believer is even from faith unto faith. Unto faith. Every single thing we can ever receive from God is by faith. Everything. The ability to believe that everything is okay when it doesn't look like it's clearly living, you know, not by sight, is by faith. Right? And so because sin has a way of distorting um, faith, not because it can diminish it, but we are working out our faith, right? And sin has the ability to make us, right? It can then affect how we receive. So this, I'm, I'm dragging this to say that God's position as a giver 
is never unshaken. Like it's never shaken, rather. It's not debatable. That God stands in the position where he is giving his children is not a question. There's no question mark behind it. God is steadily, consistently, continually providing in every form, emotionally, spiritually, every form you need provision for. However, we're the one that needs to understand what posture aligns to receive. And this is what we, receive, what we learn. Okay. I'm coming. Okay. So, yeah. So, our focus today. Okay, let's go. Let me show you this. So, let's go to First Peter 3, 7. First Peter 3, 7, yes. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Dwell with your wife. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So we see here that the husband that is doing any out his wife can actually have unanswered prayers. Again, God is not the, this is not anything God has done here, right? It's simply a law. So love actually does affect how much you can receive. Love actually does affect how much you can receive. Strongly does actually affect how much you can receive, right? Okay, so our focus is on thy kingdom come. I mean, back on this, Pity has told us one time about how, I think he read a number of things, and um, some people, a particular woman who was very ill, I read this as well in a book by Papa Kenneth Hagen, and, you know, how a particular woman was so ill for years, and they had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and prayed. And then they, he was led to ask her, are you holding grudges against anybody? She said no. It took a while. And she later agreed that yes, she had been holding unforgiveness in her heart for such a long time. She let go of the for unforgiveness and she was healed. It can, it can actually be that, that crazy. It can actually be that crazy. That people actually can have, like our relationship with people can affect how we can receive. Right? Okay. So today, our focus is on thy kingdom come. Our role in this as God's cultural architect and the culture is love and power. The priority of God is not that people go to heaven, but that heaven comes down to earth. So this is very important. I know we like to say, or we have, a lot of us have grown up hearing that, ah, Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon, where will you go, where will you go, is your name in the book of life, my name is the book of life, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and stuff like that. God's priority is actually not that we all go to heaven, because first, where we, do you know how many believers we have? Not enough, yes, but I listened to some, I'm currently listening to something, and something he said um, is that if you handle life the same way your unbelieving neighbor does, you have the same result, regardless of the fact that you're going to heaven. Me and my unbelieving neighbor, if we handle life the same way, we will have the same results in life, but I will still go to heaven. Heaven is not the question. It's how I want to live on this earth. That's the situation. Right? And so God's priority cannot just be that, ah, they are saved now in heaven. If that was it, then we should have died after salvation. Because there's no reason to leave me on this earth and be struggling for cash after I'm saved. Why? This was the reason. When there's currency in heaven, that is more important. Are we even joking? Nah. So, point is, God's, our gift of salvation, God wanting us all men to be saved, is not because, it's not because, just because, oh, they are saved now. They are heaven, they are heaven bound. No. But it's because the quality of the life that is available to the believer in Zoe is only here that you can apply it. 
you don't need to heal any sick in heaven. Right? You don't need to, you're not trying to lay hold of a promotion in heaven. You're not trying to lay hold of principalities, reminding them that they, they are not just, if I well, under my feet is small, because like when I think of how under my feet is, I think of like, first just is far above, because that's the part before, if we read it again, see it's far above before it talks about everything under his feet. So like just is far above, so that even under the feet is not, this is my feet and this is this, no, it's like, I'm standing here, but this I'm looking at you. And that look is, you're down, bro, you're down. So we don't need to remind demons in heaven that they are under our feet. It's even more evident there. It's even, I wonder how they look at people in heaven. They may be like, ah, bro, Safa, see this. <laughs> right? So, I, I guess, right? My point is that we don't need in heaven to be, to be politicians, to be change makers. We don't need it in heaven. Nobody needs, needs your creativity in heaven. Right? You're literally in heaven. You know, the wealth of creativity sits there. So, nobody needs it there. Right? So, it's here right, that we need it, right, and so, again, it's ridiculous to think that your salvation is just about being saved, again, when, when we talk about this salvation thing, what are we being saved from, we are saved from sin, and the oppression of sin, poverty is an oppression of sin, when I mean sin, I mean the nature of sin, poverty is, if you see where the curse of Adam and Eve happened, you see they would toil, that was not God's original plan, so to think that salvation only just affords us a life where we no longer commit sin, but help him wake up. But we can, but we can, um, but we can live poor or you know live sadly or not have a good marriage or have good children or have great friendships or not bring hope to our world is faulty thinking, right? And again, I remember saying that we must start everything on the foundation that God is a good father, that He's infinitely good. And if he's infinitely good, it doesn't make any logical sense that a good God will let me stay on this earth for so many more years after being saved and struggle my way out. He must have had a plan. Right? Okay. So, yes. So, we see that God, um, the prayer of Jesus was that kingdom come, not that people go to heaven, but that heaven dominates the earth through people that are citizens of heaven, domiciled in earth, yet living in living on earth so themselves in heaven sorry yet living on earth so it means that all of us here are ah, Jesus. all of us ah god 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 <laughs> all of us here are heavenist someone i it heavenist it means that our citizenship is actually heaven my real <laughs> my real passport is not green it's not nigerian passport if you really check inside, it's heaven. You know, I'm just, I'm just managing. I'm just like, mm, yeah, that's it. That's it. I just say, let me help them this green color. I mean, green is like one of my colors. So I'm just like, let me chill with it. But even the green card is not really a big deal. Because Schengen visa is nothing. Because really, I'm not of this world. So in reality, right, we are of, we are, we are literally living heaven first. And that's how we must continue to live. Right, and how I think of it is that in heaven there's an abundance. In heaven there's an abundance. Like, if we dare to think about think about how God thinks about situations, I think it would it would actually shock our minds. How ah, God, this is not working, and then God said, like, oh yeah, how will I think about it? And you're just thinking about ah, oh my, there was water, God turned it to wine. Oh my, it means everything can work. Right now, unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. 
we can ask a thing. You know. So basically, God's desire for us is that we live on this earth as kings. Right? So the prayer of Jesus was, yeah, I said this. The believer is a kingdom, the kingdom of God. We give peace, prosperity, nothing missing, nothing broken everywhere we go. Right? So um, Matthew 10, 1 to 12. Okay, let's read it together. Ah, it's long. Let me read it. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all of disease. Now, in the name of the 12 apostles that this, first Simon, Yada, please keep, please keep it. Please keep it. Please keep it. Wait. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of Gentiles, and do not enter the city of Samaritans. Please keep it. But rather, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Next. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there until you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. Let me see 13 first. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. So we'd see, you know, first that Jesus tells them not to carry anything. Again, God is a good father. That's our agreement. Because, and remember he said that, for the worker is worthy of his food. Worthy of receiving his food. And we'll see that the work here Jesus sent them to do is not to build houses and do carpentry of fishing, which was, you know, their primary type of occupation then, was that he told them to actually go and show forth his power to the world. And so we can expect and see by template that by living out the kingdom of God, resources flow towards us. And we also allow resources flow outward because we then have so much to give and supply. So we'll see that with the disciples as well that you know, Jesus sent them on such an errand and there was supply was not an issue. He wouldn't dare to tell them, don't put carry money. It's like food is waiting for you somewhere. Do you get? I'm not saying you should not carry money and pay through. It's not, I, uh, God, you should, I'm not saying you should not leave your house with money from your house and come to church. That's not what I said. <laughs> you trek. I promise you actually trek. <laughs> or maybe not. But, right, here he's basically showing us that Everything we need for our life is in the kingdom. And I like the part where I even said that if anybody's doing you any, I'll collect your peace back. So as believers, our peace is tangible. Our hope is tangible. It can be given. It can be withdrawn. It means that we're such a powerhouse, if you ask me. We're actually such a powerhouse, if you ask me. Right? It means that we are thermostatic. Right? How did I know that when I learned it from one Joy Today devotional? So we're thermostatic, meaning that we can control the atmosphere of a place as opposed to being controlled by it. Right? Okay. So our struggles, when we apply ourselves to God's agenda, oh, no. So as every country has a budget that shows her priority, 
So does God's budget and flow of resources flow towards his agenda and priority. When you apply yourself to God's agenda, we enjoy a flow of spiritual and material resources. So our lives work well when we choose to live in God's plans. Because the plan of God is our wealthy place. God himself is our wealthy place. He's our prize and possession. Thank you. So our struggles begin to drive towards its end when we live in the will of God. Right? That God has created us in his will to live by his will. And so... Um, knowing that we are the kingdom, the kingdom is not even a place anymore. The kingdom is me. The kingdom is all of us, right? How, what's, what does the kingdom look like? That's the next question, so that we can know how to template our lives. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, 17. But the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. <laughs> Let me tell you guys a funny thing. So growing up, I actually grew up thinking, you know all those um, exaggerated stories they tell children about heaven? So I grew up actually being told that there was popcorn in heaven. I'm not joking. So I grew up actually being told there was golden popcorn and golden chicken in heaven. I only found out like two years ago. I'm not joking. I only found out like two years ago. So uh, about two years ago, if you, like if I was very cranky, I'd be like, ah, when I get to home now, it's golden popcorn. Go so I remember one day Peter was teaching us and I saw this verse and I was so pissed because I was like, what? So I'm not going to eat popcorn because in my head, the popcorn is so big, so golden, so flamboyant. The chicken is huge, bigger than my head. I'll eat it for 52 days, bro. Right? And... <laughs> And then Jesus says, it's not about eating and drinking, sadly so. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? So this is what we have here. And this piece here is wholeness. It's a type of tangible wholeness that we have in God, right? That the believer is a house of miracle because first you are walking miracles. Do you get that? That we're able to dispense miracles because first I am a walking oracle of miracles right so i have peace at all times and i can then give peace because i have it in excess i have joy at all times and i can then give it right so the kingdom of god is love remember we said we are the kingdoms so everywhere you hear kingdom say chidera is i mean don't say chidera you can say chidera is good for me but put your name right so chidera is love so, John 13, 34 to 35. So, the first one, Chidera is righteousness, she's peace, and she's joy in the Holy Ghost. Chidera is love. On the screen, so as well. So far, we good, though. Making sense? Thanks. John 13, 34 to 35. Let me read from my phone. John 13, 34. Okay, so I read from my phone. It says, so I am now, I'm, now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just ahead. Okay, thank you. Oh, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 35, please. 
By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. So we see here that the kingdom of God, Chidera, is love. And first off, that we are commanded, he didn't even say suggestion, is that love is a command from God. That God actually is a standard by which we must live, right? The standard by which we must live, right? And so it means that we must be committed to seeing our love walk prosper and flourish, right? Love for ourselves. If you love yourself well, you, eat, you try and eat better, you try and do all these things. You even <laughs> yeah, you sleep well. Very true. You sleep well. Ah, it's true. Something I say is that long life and prosperity is also faith, and faith is action. So as you are saying, long life and every birthday, long life and prosperity. It, uh, it's true. <laughs> every birthday, you said it's in your life. They told you LLN. How do you say LLNP? Lulump, lulump. In added to lulump something something. So every year they've told you. But you are still sleeping by 2 a.m., waking up by 4 a.m. Ah, the length of that long life is like this. So really, right, I believe strongly that, like, as we grow to learn that this is God's temple, I, I am. And there is a certain thing, standard, you know, I should want to uphold. I should cherish peace of, life, peace of mind so dearly, right? So we see that, that it's a command that we must love each other. We must love God we must love ourselves. We must love people. Right? It's a commandment. So again, like we said, the kingdom is love. In this case, Chichi. Chidera is love. Right? The kingdom of God, Chidera, is power, healing, and wholeness. Luke 11, 14 to 22. Thank you. As he was casting out a demon and he was mute... So it was when the demon had gone out and the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you see, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom, <laughs> it's the pettiness here for me. By whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Okay, fair. But if I cast out demons by, with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. It means that power is a characteristic of the kingdom of God. Right? When a strong man fully armed guards his own place, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger man than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divided his spoils. So we see here that power is... Jesus did something that he had not seen so well that they had to ask who are you, you know, and all the bad noise came up, and then he said, ah, if you think I cast out demons by Beelzebub, then, okay, right? So, and then he let them understand that the kingdom of God is here. We find that when Jesus was walking, he wasn't dragging, dragging one house behind him. So the kingdom could have not been a physical house God was dragging. The kingdom of God is here, is him, was him. And then don't forget that he also gave his um, disciples power to do the same things he did. So the kingdom of God was Jesus, his disciples, all of us. 
friends. So yes. Uh, so yes, we are not the victims. We are the victors on a rescue mission to rescue others. Luke 10, 1 to 9. Luke 10, 1 to 9. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. <laughs> but whatever house you enter first, say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, carry it. I remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Eight. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they are set before you. And he will be sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Did they carry, I even like this one. You still do not carry anything. So clearly the kingdom of God could have not been a big building. And heal the sick there, and say to them. So it meant that their singular act of healing the sick was an announcement that the kingdom was here. And because we know they didn't physically carry a building, the kingdom of God must have been them, and the show of the kingdom is the power to heal, to heal the oppressed. So we see that even if they went without knapsacks, they were the victorious ones already, right? That they had something everybody else didn't have. And so they were, they may have, I mean, if you think about it, they did not carry so much. So they didn't look so much, right? But they had everything everybody else needed. They, they had healing, they had peace, they had everything to give, right? Okay. So we are representatives of the kingdom. Now, in this case, I mean like the hypothetical place. Ambassadors, emissaries, members of the God kind, because we are born again and we have the spirit within. We are not one of the regular Joe. We are a new man in Christ. I love this verse very much. Second Peter 1, 3 to 4. I love this verse so much. As his divine power has given us... Now, nah, can I see another version? Let me see NIV. Something I'm looking for. You don't have... Let me know. Let me read it out. But NIV, please. Beautiful is what I wanted to see. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Let's read it again, louder. His divine power. Next verse. Through this, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You see that God's plan is actually not that we are entrapped by this world. I promise you, like, God's plan is not that we are, like, may really, sorry, that guy, right? God's plan is not that, as it's sitting down there, doing things that he always does, because I think he just sits and does rubbish. But, like, God's plan is not that, as he wakes up every day and decides out of the abundance of the type of heart that he has to do what he does. I didn't even describe the heart. I just said type of heart so that nobody would drag me. But yeah, as he wakes up every day to do the things that he does and you know, God's plan is that 
we haven't been able to live above that economy. Do you get? God's plan is that, ah, Isaiah 60, I think one or two, says about how darkness covers the whole earth, yet light, right, shines upon you. So to say that, like, at the end of the day, God's plan is not that we are driven by the economy of this world, right? God's plan is not that we are driven by the economy of the world. And why I like this verse very much is particularly because it says that we have received everything. God has given us everything we need. Again, it positions God, like I say, as the continuous dispenser of goodness. But there is a condition I hope we saw. Let's go back. Three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. The preposition through is to go through. Basically, this happens through this. Again, we are called to the life of knowing as believers. Hey, sorry, guys. Sorry. We are called to the life of knowing as believers. We are called to a life to be committed to simply knowing. Because everything God has given us can only be so tangible through our knowledge of him. So I want this, then I must focus on this. This is actually one verse I read at least every other day of my life. If I want the first, that's, if I want to understand, it is based on the knowledge of God I have. Right? And that's why we see that. I think it's very important to consider believers as growing people. You can hear me today now say that um, God is not good, yada, yada, yada. And see me three weeks after, shout, ah, God is good, God is everything. I promise you. It's not hypocrisy. This is how I like to think about it, Sorry. You know, again, this is how I, I like, to, I see good in people mostly, so maybe that's why. It's not hypocrisy, if you ask me. Believers are called to knowing. As in, I'm called to a life of knowing. I'm called to know God today as Father, here. By three weeks, begin to know him here. And because I am being changed, my words will change. It's not hypocrisy. So, there's a way you should look at believers when they sound like they're mad. Like they say, eh. People, we are called to the life of no. If you're not sitting in your life, maybe that's the issue. If you pay attention, we can be so unfair. If you pay attention to your life, are you where you were last week with God? No. Hasn't that affected your behavior somehow? It can even be in the small things. You're not just as sensitive to certain things anymore. And so why should I hold you by the standard anymore? That standard. We are called to a life of knowing. The more we know, the more we understand. And if you even read verse 4, it says that we are called to partake in his divine nature. Zoe, bro, Zoe. The very life of God. We are called to a life of knowing. And our template is Jesus. Nobody else. So, we are called to a life of knowing. So, it means that we must give ourselves grace to understand that we are called to a life of knowing. Right? I'm not saying that we should be talking anyhow in the public. Ah, I beg you, God. <laughs> Is this much why I should stop talking too much in the public if you ask me? Because the way believers are, because we have the Holy Spirit, if you finish tweeting your rubbish and you're supposed to rebuke in your room, you, you cannot really go and delete that tweet. You now become better. Right? And I mean, like, people's lives have been destroyed by the madness that you tweeted or posted or something. Right? Or people have, you know, built that as doctrine for themselves. While you have become better, now you now look like an hypocrite. 
But the reality is that, to be honest, every believer, because we have the Holy Spirit, right, and the Holy Spirit is our helper in this journey of looking like Jesus, it means every believer is in a progressive journey to look like Christ. Every believer is in a progressive journey to look like Christ. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> yes. So, yes, it is seen through us in the kingdom, right? Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it, give light, they give, it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, basically, as believers, we're called to a standard of life where people just have to ask, how do you do this thing? How do you do this thing? How do you do this thing? So it means that the kingdom of God in its power, its fullness must be seen through our lives. Must be seen completely through our lives. Right? So we have inherent value as a believer. Right? Okay. And we must allow ourselves give out value in hope and love. We are designed to be impactful. We have inherent value to give. We are special. We are God's build board. We are advertising. I think I was listening to something. I, I don't remember where I picked this up earlier during the week. And it was like, um, I can't remember where I picked it up, but I'm God's pro best product. I'm God's best product. And I must keep living like God's best product. Right? Okay. So we're special. We're brilliant. We're not, we're not worthless. We're not useless. We're not unloved. We're not... Um, think about the, you know, we're not depressed, we're not forsaken, we're not uncared for, we're not, um, which other word, uncared for, forsaken, left alone, despised, trampled upon, um, no, we're not, we're special, we belong to God's royal priesthood, his entire lineage, right, we are God's kind, we are his children, so we have inherent value, we are not one of the masses. In fact, Nigeria is blessed to have us. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, our boss is blessed. Something that Pity says every time is, we are not the employees. No, we are not just any employee. You are the employee. You are not a business owner. You are the business owner. You are not the spouse. You are the spouse. You are not the babe, the boyfriend, the girlfriend. You're not a boyfriend, girlfriend. You are the boyfriend, girlfriend, right? You are that person, right? And basically, we have to remember that because, like when Joseph entered the house of Potiphar and, you know, they experienced tremendous growth, right? They experienced, experienced tremendous growth. He became promoted as prime minister. Literally, that's our lives, our lives as believers. That as believers, we are an asset, that I'm in your life, you're enjoying ROI because I'm in your life, right? That I'm in your space 
there is goodness here. Right? I dispel darkness because I'm just here. Do we get? So, um, at some point, right, no one went out. This is Joseph, Daniel, how they rose from being nobody to being everybody. So, it's important that we ask ourselves, do we know the value of being partakers of the God kind? Do we know what it means? Right? Will it show in church or outside church as well? And actually, it would be unfair to God, to ourselves, that if everything we are called to do in this life, we can only see it in church. Right? It's, it's, in your work, it must show that you are excellent. It must show that you have a particular type of way to work. So I'll give you a personal example. My last appraisal for work, um, my last appraisal for work, so I got a new boss, a new supervisor that came in like past mid-year. And so what that means though, ordinarily is that half of the year's effort were not seen by him. Abby, he came in, so, and he was going to appraise me for the entire year. And he came in like towards, even past June, I think July, August. And he came in later during the year. So it means that, and I actually did, I think I did the bulk of my work in the, yeah, in the earlier part of the year. So what that means on there is I did not see the best of my work. But it's not supposed to appraise me for my whole year. And I personally have good, um, what's the word? Good PR at work already. <laughs> so good that there are certain meetings that you can't have unless I'm there. So good that on Friday, somebody was just telling me, ah, Chidera, I wonder how many meetings you've been dragged into. You know, I, I'm dragged into meetings and I say, are you having this meeting? Chidera is not here. It's not happening. It's not happening. I'm like, yeah, I love it. So good. My appraisal came in by this guy and I looked at it. And it was the best appraisal I've seen so far in my life. And he appraised me for just less than five months' work. I promise you, I wasn't trying to impress him. I'd have died because my work is very stressful already. So it was proof to me that a continuous habit of great work ethic is, all, is super important. That he didn't have to see the first six, seven months of my work. But what he saw was good enough for him to speak to top stakeholders on my behalf. That was good. And I'm talking about somebody that is super hard to impress. I'm talking about somebody that is a brilliant man. So if somebody that tells you you are brilliant, you're like, bro, bro, <laughs> bro, bro. I from, after my appraisal, I close my laptop. Say all your meals wait. They say I have brain. You should wait. Just wait. You know when that type of person tells you that you are very brilliant, you're smart, you're reliable, you're resourceful, you begin to ah, wow, wow. Me said on the omega alpha. It was good. It was a very good feeling. It was a very good feeling. It was a, and I keep, think, keep thinking about it, about how he didn't see the book. He didn't actually see the book of my work. He didn't. And he didn't come from a mediocre place as well. He came from a place that was even better standard, if you ask me. At least more international practice. And he thought my work was so good. I be star. Me self, I know say I be star. I love it. I say I, it's very sweet. Yeah, because like, I mean, we have wisdom. Ah, no, 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 we have wisdom. Oh, I don't even think I even scratch the base well, so if you ask me. But we have wisdom. We have wisdom. We have, we have wisdom. 
we have wisdom. We are really the employee, the staff, the partner. We have wisdom, right? That every the student, sorry guys, oh, sorry. <laughs> I still study you. Oh, uh, mm. I'm calling to greater heights. You are the worker. That's believe it. So yes, the students, the students, see everything. That class perfect. Just in case you're in SS3. <laughs> just maybe. Juliana. So yeah, point is we are, we are called to thrive for excellence. We are called to, we are called to desire so much more. We are called to lead that room. We are called to lead that room. I'm thinking about just random just digging with work about how, so I was supposed to um, review a particular paper. Right. Currently, Sha, my work role entire, like, says that if the paper doesn't go through me, it's not approved, no matter who you be in the company. So I was supposed to approve a paper. Paper came in to 10 Friday. I didn't see it. I don't need to see it. It's past late workout. But the person was so pressured that they want to do something on Monday. And then yesterday, this person called me, and they're like, today I sent you, they sent you this paper by 210. I'm like, okay, nice. It's going to take you less than 10 minutes to look through. I'm like, oh, I don't need to look at it. It's a Friday to 10. It's a Saturday. I don't need to work. You can't demand it of me to work. Sorry, I'm a big driver of work-life balance. So I used to fight. You can't demand it for me to work. At, at well, for my job, you can't. It's a Saturday. But you see it. If I didn't look at it, yeah, he was like, ah, my life, my work is on the line. If I don't look at it, your work is on the line. It's just great to know how essential I am to some people's jobs. I promise. So I remember going on leave last year and <laughs> from that show paper sometimes. I remember going on leave last year and my out of office was very weird. And I said, hi, I know you're trying to reach me at this time. I'm super excited you can't. I understand how important I am to your work. I know that you're struggling now to survive. I'll be back. I pray you don't pass out. Because... I know what I do. I know how important I am to your job. I, you don't need to tell me. I know. So, I just tell all this just to say that we are called to hire. I don't even think I scratched the base, if you ask me. I don't think so. But we are called to hire. We are called to excellence. We are called to. We are called to. There's something BT I said before that. We're called to like some type of excellence that stakeholders are fighting for you. Ah, no, I want this babe. May I want this babe? May I want this babe? And you now say, no, 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 calm down, calm down, calm down. What do you have to offer? Nah, I don't want. What do you have? Maybe. That's, yeah, I think about it. Right? So we're called to that type of excellence. We're called to be that person. And we must keep growing. We must keep growing. We must keep demanding more from ourselves. Keep learning. Keep growing. Keep, keep growing. I know how, I mean, a lot of us here are working and schooling. So, you know, do you know that feeling where your colleagues are in a meeting or everybody's talking and they are saying A, but you just know the A points one information. So, like everybody says, for instance, you need to eat food to grow. You know, say, oh, and I read according to a paper that, you know, there's how it is to feel. Yeah, like friends that ah, she's always written, she's always knowing. Ah, it's sweet. We must keep knowing. We must, we must keep knowing. We must keep knowing. We must keep knowing. We must keep knowing. We must, we must keep getting better as people, as colleagues, as employees. Am I just starting to pursue me from here? But it's okay. 
So, <laughs> so we are called to dispel and displace the works of darkness. Set or press free. Yada, yada. And we are called to be people of love, but it must be, begin at home, families, church, and the world at large. We must love our brothers, pray for our enemies, lead with love, pray for even your government. Why? It says that um, we pray for them so that we may live peaceful lives. So it's not because, I, I mean, I should care more about him, but it's not because I, it's because me, I want to live a peaceful life. Because whether I like it or not, the policies do affect us, right? So, yeah, something beautiful. Okay, so yeah, heaven's compassion is not weak. It's not in saying sorry, but in solving problems, right? And it's typical of God's type of empathy towards us. That God is empathetic and he's, nev- he's the most empathetic. You are not more of an empath than God. But God does ne- never stop sad sorry. He goes on with fixing. He goes on with working with you to fix. And this is what we are called to template. So, something beautiful that Peter said yesterday. That at the moment, you saw these beautiful things I've said. I'm sure you're measuring your life. You say, ah, I'm not rich here. Ah, I now have this one. Ah, I'm not rich here. And something Pity said is that at the moment, you might suck at your assignment, but you have no authority to change your assignment. And in this case, the basic assignment I even mean, self, in this case, actually living as God's child. Sonship, knowing that as he is, so I am. Right? I may not yet look like the template I want to look like. I may even be like seven feet away from the template I want to look like, right? But rather than say, oh, I'm not just going to want to look like the template anymore, I'm simply going to realize that I need to build capacity. I need to be equipped. And so in your workplace, in your relationships, family, marriage, friendship, all of that, right, we must agree that, okay, this is who God says I am. Oh, yeah, I've accepted. I'm not going to be a Jonah. This is who God says I am. Right? This is who God says I am. This is who God says I am. So I'm going to simply live in it. Right? I'm simply going to live in it. And you're not too far gone. This is actually, I don't like to say word of knowledge, but this is actually word of knowledge for a student. You're not too far gone. My best guess, you're in, penult- you're in your penultimate year on your final year. Your GP does not look like it. You're not too far gone. You're not too far gone. You're not too far gone. God is so merciful and kind. So merciful and kind. A lot of times we hear people's story because we don't know the fullness. We are quick to move ourselves from the equation of that possibility. But God is merciful and kind. Right? Your simple bit, our simple bit, is to position ourselves in alignment to his mercy. And his mercy is available in his will. So to you, human being that I'm speaking to, God is merciful and kind, right? God demands excellence from you. And because he's a good father, we must start from that point. So it means that everything he has demanded from us is because he has enabled us to perform. Good? So, to this person I'm speaking to, you, I know that, I don't know what semester schools are in, sorry, but yeah, sorry. You put in your best this semester. You put in your best every semester. You will be known as the student that is the student. You know, you'll be more present at your classes. You wake up earlier. You show up. You read. You make friends because you need to pass well. Right? You do so well in school. And as you do these things, you find fulfillment in simply just obeying God's will for excellence for your life. Right? 
Right. So, guys, that brings me to the end. So, just to say, for that person, you're strengthened. You're strengthened in your schoolwork. Amen. And for all of us, that is our journey with God is the life we've been called to. The faster we get into shape by agreeing that God, Omar, you've called me into so much. You've called me into so much. You have entrusted so much into my care. I'm simply just going to try better to live like you. And like I said, it takes faith for everything to work out of God, right? In God's will and everything like that. So we're simply going to commit to being more more beautiful stewards of the gift he has given us. And I believe all of us have places to improve, right? I believe all of us have to have work to do, maybe with our time, maybe with how we eat, maybe with how we eat, because some of us eat. Like we only came to eat. Maybe, maybe with how we eat. I'm not about me. I don't have such power and authority. Maybe some of us, you know how we eat. But I mean, no jokes apart. But this week, we're going to commit into being excellent. We're going to commit into, you know, reflect on your life. Think about those areas. Those areas, those pockets of your life. And say, Omo, ah, I'm going to be 10x. 10x is not just prophecy, I beg it's work. It's not just prophecy, I beg, I beg, it's work. It's work, go, oh. it's work. <laughs> no, you don't need to jump inside 10x. Ah, they don't jump inside, you just divide. You can't multiply nothing. It's work. And because we are God's, we have God's spirit, we are advantaged, that be? So it means that, ah, me, I'll put in my very best. And if I ask us all here, I will answer as well. I don't think I put in my near best self. So I think if I'm not putting my very best, ah, or more, ah, I don't know, maybe NASA will be looking for me somewhere. Say, ah, there's one babe. Ah, there's one, right. So we're going to commit to putting in our very best. And we're going to commit to going on that trajectory of growth and excellence. Right. Nations come to the right. Lies in, right. Hey, Jesus, Father, God. Hey, all my Igbo people, what's that? Hey, <laughs> God. Indianambra, God forbid. I rebuke it. I rebuke it. Nations come to the what? Rising of my what? Light. I said it's well. No mixture. Good. So, right. Um, they will come because there's something you have to offer. So, we're going to pray for maximum one minute. And you can sit on your seats. We're just going to let's this type of prayer. There's nothing to do. Let's repent, right, from doubts. I think all of us have work to do in that area. Repent from doubt, God. We repent from smallness. We we repent from feeling small. We repent from repent from refusing to partner with you, because that's what we do every time we say no. We repent from, you know, not partnering with you. We repent from not relying on your strengths. Repent from not trusting you. Repent from not portraying you as should be. Repent from not loving, not serving. Repent from not giving of ourselves and our resources, of our time. Repent from not being as you are. Repent from not listening to your spirit when you told us to, you know, give our best. We went from watching movies to 4 a.m. on a Monday morning when we should be sleeping. 
repent from closing our laptop before work has finished. <laughs> All right, we repent from everything we need to repent from. And Father, we trust you that as this week begins, right, that I speak over every one of us, including myself, that we live in such an awareness that you have called us to excellence. That, and that we would trust you, would partner with you to show excellence at work. We'll partner with you to show excellence in our relationships. We'll partner with you to be better partners, better friends, better colleagues. You know, to be better national people, Nigerians rather. Father, this week, we thank you for strength come alive. We thank you for peace come alive. We thank you for joy come alive. We thank you because our hearts, our hands are so filled with tangible knowledge of your love. And we dispense it in our work, in our marriages, with our children, with our friends. Thank you, Father, because we begin to know that as you are, so we are. For in Jesus' mighty, powerful name, we are praying. Thank you so much, guys. Have a lovely day. We hope you were blessed by that sermon. Cheers to growth and global impact. Feel free to contact us via our social media platform at This Green Church. And do join us every Sunday by 9am and Wednesday by 6pm to be a part of our family. Remember, you are that Savior. You are light and life to your world.